So welcome everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Isn't Mo Quarantine Though. Today we have Zan Kazi on the line. Zan was born in India and he moved to Seattle when he was young and now he works in consulting. And so he was flying around the US when the whole pandemic hit. So Zan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how that whole situation resolved itself. Hey, Assalamualaikum Ziad. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is Zane, as you guys heard, Ziad introduced me. So yeah, I'm in consulting and as you know, the nature of the job just requires a lot of traveling. And it was interesting when the f- first uh, time, like the news of uh, the coronavirus started spreading out, I was actually traveling to Atlanta and I had a project out in Atlanta and uh, super funny was that I was actually sick when I started that project, like just common cold. And oh, dang. <laughs> I remember that's when the news just just started to break. Nothing was serious yet. Um, nobody really cared. It was just like, oh, it's something happening out in China, but, you know, be careful. Uh, I was like sniffling, sneezing, <laughs> coughing on the flight, and nobody cared. Like, I can't even <laughs> fly like that now. Um, no, you would definitely like, I, I would just get you off. The, yeah, yeah. I, would be, I would be allowed on the flight. But it's crazy. That was, um, when was that? That was the end of February or like mid-February. And it's crazy how much has changed between now and then just like a month, month and a half ago when I, yeah, early February is when I started. And I was a little sick throughout the Atlanta project. And it's crazy how much has changed in just a month and a half. Like I was literally flying completely sick. Um, alhamdulillah it was just a common cold nothing coronavirus related <laughs> but that was i mean you never know you could have had it and just you know none of us were ever tested so we all just had true. it at some point but usually coronavirus is a dry cough and dry symptoms so the fact that i had nasal conditions makes me feel a lot better about it because that's not usually a a symptom related to co- like covid19 i guess um but yeah so that was atlanta and then that project like abruptly ended and i got placed in chicago and first week when I went to Chicago is when the hype really started to blow up, and especially in Seattle. So I live in Seattle. My family's from Seattle. Um, live with my two parents. I have one younger brother, and he lives in Chicago. So I feel like you need that context for this. <laughs> Where does he live in Chicago? Then uh, he lives in the city, Gold Coast area. Oh, nice! Uh, that's like for the people who don't know. That's like right, like in the heart of the city. Really nice area. Yeah, he's right in the city, so it's nice. And I was actually in Arlington Heights. That's where my project was, which is a burb in like northwest, about like thirty minutes out of the city. And so when I started the project, is when things really started to hype up. I decided to stay the first weekend just to like hang out with my brother. Um, because funny enough, he also is in consulting. So even though mm-hmm. I'm in Chicago, I can't see him throughout the week. I can only see him because uh, he's traveling oh, okay. while I'm there. So I decided to say the first weekend. And the following weekend, I was actually ready to come back to Seattle. I had some events to attend out here. And that's when it really started popping off in Seattle. And my parents my parents are actually in India at the time. And so they're like, don't go home. We're not even home. What are you going back for? It's crazy out there. My brother's freaking out. He's like, don't go back. Uh, one of my friends out in Seattle, he's like the spoken word artist, um, kind of deals with nasheeds and stuff. So he had an album release party. And so I was like, oh, I really want to make it back for that. He ended up canceling. Yeah, I mean, that sounds dope. Oh, but he had to cancel? Yeah, he ended up canceling too. This is when it's really starting to pick up. Yeah, because I know the West Coast was like kind of ahead of that curve or they were shutting down before everyone else. Yeah, West Coast, I think, was the first to get hit. Seattle, um, San Francisco, I think, had the first case. But Seattle Mm -hmm. really picked up quick. And people were talking about it like it was an epicenter. People were referring it to as the Wuhan of Seattle, uh, Wuhan of America. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, of course, I really can't go back. So 
that's when that started me being stuck in Chicago for about close to a month. I didn't go home. Like during the week I'd had work and the weekends I just ended up staying. And Did you just stay with your brother on the weekends then? Yeah. So for consulting, they expensed my stay in Arlington Heights. So I had the hotel through the week mm-hmm. and the weekends I would stay with my brother. Okay. But then eventually you've made your way back to Seattle now. Yeah. So eventually what happened is they obviously went, everything worked from home, like mm-hmm. everyone else. And um, when that happens, they're obviously going to start, stop expensing my hotel. And I was just staying with my brother even through the weekday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Are I, you still working with like that same client though? Um, so that client now, uh, that project is wrapped on my, I'm technically on bench now. Mm. Uh, so I don't have a client, which is making this quarantine a lot more boring because I don't have a lot of work. <laughs> uh, usually you get some internal work too. And even that slowed down a lot. Yeah. Are there like, are people still like getting y'all, like, are there people still like getting assigned clients and stuff? Or is like work just really slowed down? So now like, no one's... yeah, there's not a lot of new clients being signed. The clients that are already on there's work, but even that has slowed down a lot because nobody's going in office. So a lot of remote work really cuts down productivity. I feel like. Mm-hmm. And so, so for the audience, what type of consultant are you? Uh, I'm in SAP consulting. I don't know how familiar you guys are with that, but it's basically um, CRM based. It's like if you've heard of Salesforce, which is a lot more popular, mm-hmm. um, it's the exact same thing. So kind of a mixture between business and tech consulting. So do you just like help the companies set up their whole system? Yeah, help the company set up their system, help them go live, and then support afterwards. So we can be put in at any stage in that cycle of, of a project. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So now being in Seattle, how is the mood there? What's like the environment? Because I feel like even though we're kind of been shut down now, like Illinois, it seems like the West Coast is much more serious about it and much more like stringent with their rules. Yeah. So I was actually expecting that, but it hasn't been too crazy. I feel like the rules are more or less the same. Okay, um, cool. Restaurants um, and any non-essentials, everything being shut down, only delivery. So deliveries are still running. Uber Eats is running. Grocery mm-hmm. stores are open pharmacies hospitals obviously so i feel like it's fairly similar and i don't think they can really do anything more than that um given the situation like small businesses will just really start to suffer if you close down even more than that yeah it's been really interesting seeing like the impact on local businesses because for the most part all the retail stuff like you can't really do like pick up only for retail like yeah. they're just closed so it'll be interesting to see how far that'll push because i know a lot of companies are trying to be like oh we're an essential business but it's like Michael's, like the craft stores staying open, saying they're an essential business. It's like, really, how much of an essential business are you, Michael's? Yeah, <laughs> Michael, I didn't even know that. Michael's is really claiming to be an essential business. Wow. Yeah, it's it's all. T- I think it, it just comes down to like for a lot of them, they're doing it just because they're trying to get to that point of where they're forced to shut down. Like I know GameStop, they were saying they're an essential business, right? And so they weren't closing down. And they've only closed their stores in California because like the California governor made them. The governor was like, no, you're not an essential business. And I think for them, it's just like, it's still a business decision. They're like, hey, until we're forced to, it makes more sense to be open and have that business. Because, you know, Michael's is still like jamming because all of its competitors are like closed down and they're like, no, we're an essential. We're going to stay open. No, it it makes sense from a business standpoint. And especially a store like Michael's and even GameStop, I feel like people are stuck at home, games, arts and crafts. It's It really might be an essential <laughs> right now. Yeah, because I mean, like Amazon, the delivery times have like increased by at least like two weeks on everything. Like right now, they're like, "Hey, we're only delivering essentials." You know, some stuff is still coming in a few days, but 
goodbye to the one day you know prime delivery that oh, they've been yeah. rolling out it's, it's been gone at, i've been looking at prime for certain things and i don't see any one day or even two days like they're just not there and i'm in seattle we have huge warehouse out here <laughs> you guys are amazon basically yeah, we are amazon <laughs> we're not getting one day two day deliveries was it was it funny seeing everyone try to become the second headquarters like you know putting out all their pitches and you guys were like yeah we're just chilling we're already the headquarters we were just like you don't know what's coming like (laughs) expect like yes you're gonna get a lot of economic boom and all that but expect traffic to go up expect house prices to go up things get Mm -hmm. suggested like there's a lot of give and there's a lot of take as well with something like that and amazon has done obviously a lot of economic growth for seattle Mm -hmm. also caused a lot of problems as well yeah i bet i know with like chicago there was you know so much like news and articles from both sides of like hey we want it or we don't want it and we ended up not getting it but amazon is like building like a new warehouse in like every town just because they're trying to meet that one day delivery thing and like same day delivery so they have to increase the amount of warehouses they have so i feel like it's kind of a benefit because we didn't get you know their headquarters but we got a lot of warehouses where they'll be, uh, you know, employing a lot of the lower income people and like giving a lot more people jobs and more than if they had their headquarters here, it'd be more of like the um, high tech jobs and stuff, yeah, right? More corporate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the same time, we've always heard the stories about their, you know, warehouses as well. So oh, yeah. Who knows if you want that. I, mean, I feel like across the board, even corporate, those high tech jobs, it's just a lot of people. I've heard a lot of stories where it's not the best time and they get worked. Mm-hmm a lot of bad hours um yeah i remember a couple years ago they had that article about amazon like people just like crying at their desks and my friend just started his job there he was like well hopefully i don't cry (laughs) well did he end up crying uh he left after like a year to microsoft so you know that's how they do it in tech world really yeah if you don't like it or i'm going from one giant to another giant so for you did you always want to like do consulting did you go to business school no actually um I was uh, a pre-med on the pre-med route, like every other brown kid. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> how did you end up getting out of pre-med without your parents like disowning you? <laughs> um, well, I actually pivoted like very last minute. Like I took my MCATs. Um, oh, wow. I interviewed schools. Like I did all the the everything, and then I realized like this, I just can't commit to this and mm-hmm. like if you realize that med school is not the way to go, it's a huge time commitment. Um, you pretty much have to put everything else to the side. And I just had a lot of other hobbies and passions growing. Um, and I didn't feel like that was the right move. So I, I took a gap year. And in that gap year, I kind of picked up these SAP skills and um, got a job. A lot of help, helped with the having a lot of like living in the Seattle area helps a lot because literally every uncle here is a connect <laughs> into some tech company. Like that's just how it is. All the communities here are filled with Daisy uncles. That work at all these tech companies and yeah i feel like even though obviously there's going to always be like doctors even no matter where you find brown people like seattle you'll probably see more like you know indians and pakistanis who are in tech because that's what they're coming over for because it is seattle right yeah that is easily the most saturated industry especially for like your desi even muslim community in general like there's a lot of arabs in these tech jobs um obviously depends on the burb and region you're from in seattle but yeah you see a lot more tech-related um, they see jobs than even physicians. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So you said you have a lot more of like hobbies and passions that you wanted to like kind of look into when you were considering whether you really wanted to do med school or not. What are some of those? Have you had time more during the pandemic to kind of work on them? Uh, yeah, so 
I'm actually a part-time photographer. Um, oh, dang, dang, nice, nice. And uh, so it started off like as a hobby, just something I enjoyed. Then I ended up, like I did it off my phone, ended up picking up a camera, realized I really enjoyed it. And I've kind of turned it into a part-time business where I shoot weddings, graduations, things like that. While still trying to do my own personal projects on the side. So yeah, now with the mm-hmm. pandemic hitting, I'm trying to take advantage of all this extra time to work on some of that. I just today set up like a home studio. Oh, really? That's pretty dope. Studio from like, just like some poles, put up like a white background, <laughs> had some lights up. So, you know. That's kind of- legit one of the like most annoying things whenever I want to take a picture of like any shoes or like even food, like yeah. just finding somewhere where the background is like kind of enough to fill up the frame without anything else getting into it. Like that's always the hardest thing for me just because like obviously I don't have a backdrop or anything. Yeah, it's super tough when you're out, um, especially for food. And food, I feel like food photography, the hard. I, I know you do a little bit of food photography. I did as as well. Like I kind of run a food blog on the side too. I like cooking. I like food. So I guess that's another hobby. Um, yeah. <laughs> another hobby I've actually been pursuing this pandemic. I've been going live on Instagram cooking for people. And <laughs> people are so bored. They're actually sitting there watching me cook. That's how bored. Bro, I mean, this is the time during the pandemic. Like might as well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to your point, like I've realized how hard it is to take pictures of food when you're out and the biggest thing even more than the backdrop for me is the lighting because a lot of these restaurants are so dimly lit because they're trying to have this aesthetic yeah and your pictures come out so whack because you have you don't have any good lighting and yeah I, and I the, what always annoys me is like half the time the lighting does not help with the mood i'm just like please turn up the light i need to be able to see what i'm eating uh- <laughs> <laughs> it really yeah it was just like this is i i get what you're trying to do but it's it's really not doing it just just turn up the lights i can't even, i can barely even see my food let alone take a picture yeah, I know definitely for, especially for food photography, one of the hardest things I think is it's so easy to make food look bad. Like you can easily just like take a picture of something like even like a lot of the dishes that are really prominent, like brown culture, a lot of like the curry dishes, like the one wrong angle and it just looks terrible. And it's like, yeah. you have to have like everything perfect to make it look good. Um, so that's always been the hardest thing for me is just like kind of making sure that it doesn't look you know, gross because it's like food, so it like makes people think like they're gonna eat it. So it's like there's always that chance that they just get grossed out by it at the same time. Oh yeah, I mean, at first, um, before I kind of got into photography and before I I've met a couple chefs, um, just through my travels, I used to always think like, oh, that's super pretentious, like dressing up food, making it look nice. I'm just like, if it's good, it's good. Yeah. Hard to realize like you really do eat with your eyes first, especially mm-hmm. when you do pictures and all that, and started to kind of appreciate that a little more and but yeah especially with daisy food it's super hard to make it look nice and aesthetic to plate it nice it's not something that's very common in our culture to plate food nicely it's just very like a homey it's homey food yeah so it's, not it's really definitely not something about. that they care about the aesthetic even when serving they're just like yo eat up it's delicious yeah exactly you just have you know some auntie come and drop some salad <laughs> on your plate and that's it you go with it <laughs> no one's messing up your food in desi culture that's definitely very true so yeah definitely being at home for you now i mean you said that working from home it's kind of been slow so have you been able to really though do anything in terms of like photography and stuff is it more of just like you can edit more have you been losing kind of business because everyone's kind of been canceling events uh, yeah, so there's been uh, weddings are starting to get canceled. Um, I haven't been affected too much because I didn't have any that too many clients to begin with. I've kind of taken a break now into mm-hmm. clients. Um, wanted to focus a little bit on projects uh, for myself, personal projects. 
but I have a lot of photographer friends who have had to refund a lot of deposits, um, void contracts, um, because people are canceling weddings and it isn't too much of an, of an impact for photographers like me that have it as a part-time gig and mm -hmm. we have a full-time job, but there's a lot of wedding photographers out there that are, that is their primary source of income. So now it becomes tough. Like, okay, what do you do with deposits? Do you send it back? This is a special case. Uh, do you forgive a deposit? But you also have to make your money. So it's very tricky. And I feel like it's similar for a lot of small businesses that rely on in the service industry, um, how to deal with that. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Yeah, I definitely think that post like Corona pandemic, we're going to see a much different layout of the you know economic scene just because someone, you know, these small service businesses are going to be like, there's no way around it. They're going to have, they're going to go bankrupt. Many of them might have already gone bankrupt just yeah. because so many of them are, you know, one or two weeks away from that. And it's like, you know, the next client is kind of helping them get to the next client. Um, and I know a lot of these like small restaurants around us, they're like at that level. And even beyond that, as you said, a lot of the photographers, a lot of the people doing like audio video, like anything that's really event based, is going to take a big hit. Um, and especially the people doing those events, like event running businesses. So yeah. I definitely think it'll be really interesting to see how many kind of make it past this, you know, current, you know, crisis. Yeah. I saw this um, study. I think it was by JP Morgan Chase. They put out, it was um, a snapshot of the range of cash that small businesses keep on them, like cash buffer. Mm -hmm. And I think the median number was 27 days for all small businesses. So that's literally a month that they have cash yeah. backup, that they have a buffer. And we're already looking at a month now. So a lot of those businesses are going under because that's how much of a buffer they've kept themselves. So it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty sad because a lot of small businesses are going to go under and it's going to affect a lot of people. Yeah, because I mean, for restaurants, it's like they can somewhat try to survive off of pickup and delivery, mm -hmm. but you can't really pick up a photo shoot, right? You can't like, deliver that. I mean, that's just you're going to be coming in contact. And I know a lot of people are also worried, like right now, medicine, you know, obviously everyone's trying to go to the hospital for coronavirus and stuff, but things like PT and stuff, which are very, you know, you have to like touch the client. Those are taking a big hit. My friend had his PT uh, appointment rescheduled. But a lot of those are also like small practitioners who are going to be out of business for the next few months because no one's going to want to go to a, you know appointment where they're going to be in such close proximity with people. Oh yeah, anything non-essential, like non-essential. I forget where it was. They were saying not. I think it was in California where they said any non-essential procedures are no longer pr permitted. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think certain cases of PT and things like that would fall into that. So a lot of people are going to feel the effects of this. No, definitely. Now, out of out of the sports that have been canceled, which one has hit you the hardest? Oh, okay. This is a this is a two part answer. Um, my favorite sport is basketball, mm -hmm. so not having the NBA around really sucks because this is the time where after the All Star break, everything's picking up. You're going into the playoffs, and this is where things get exciting. And this year was really poised to be a good playoff year. Um, this was the year the Rockets were going to take it all, so I'm very sad right now. <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, I would say, the first year where no one really knew what was going to happen just because like, exactly. there were so many strong teams, right? It wasn't like the Warriors weren't a ride-in anymore. There were a mm -hmm. couple strong teams. In the, I, I personally thought it was the Clippers this year, but you could have made a case for the Lakers, the Bucks, Heat were looking nice, and honestly, a lot of dark horse teams. So it was going to be, so I'm pretty sad about the NBA. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, 
I had tickets to the to the Khabib fight, Khabib Ferguson. Uh, dang. What was that going to be again? That was in Brooklyn, April 17th. And oh, okay. So you're going to fly out there? I was going to fly. Well, they're not going to have fans anymore. I think they're still going through with the fight, but with no fans. Oh, interesting. And I think they're going to move locations because... Um, New York's like shut down. Bad. I think they're just going to move out of the U.S. I think they're going to go to a country that's a little more safe. I think Singapore is someplace they're looking at. Singapore mm-hmm. is pretty... I've been handling it pretty well. So, that so you're a big fight. MMA guy? Um, Not like super huge, but I keep up. I'll watch every UFC. Not like the mini fight nights, but every big UFC. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so, it makes sense. And, especially like Khabib. Like, and especially he was Khabib. Huge. Khabib was like, <laughs> is our champion, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so hyped to go see him out there. Uh, it would have been crazy to witness that live. And uh, this is arguably the biggest fight in UFC history. So I, I really would have no idea. I thought, wouldn't, uh, what is it, Khabib versus Mayweather? Wasn't that like supposed to be like one of the biggest? And then, was, not Mayweather. Uh, uh, Connor. Connor, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that supposed to be huge? Yeah, I think at that time that was one of the biggest. But this right now is only because Khabib just, people predicted Khabib to be Connor. Like, Connor is just not good at grappling and all that. But this Tony Ferguson guy is probably the first time where I've seen like someone could possibly put up a fight against Khabib. This is like oh, so it was more it. like it was more because he might actually have a challenge that this was going to be such a big fight. Yeah, yeah, because he was just running through everything. Uh, he, he's a beast. He's a beast. I mean, he's wrestling bears in Dagestan. <laughs> <laughs> they I should just host the fight there. Bears. I don't. I don't think Corona is messing with that people of that country. Probably not. Honestly, I wonder how Russia's doing with Corona. I haven't heard too much about Russia. But, well, I think they just put out an order that either you stay in your house for two weeks or they'll arrest you for five years. <laughs> Sounds like Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like the entire – I remember someone sent a tweet, like a picture of a tweet in one of our group chats that have that like message. And then below it, they said to help with this, Russia released like lions in the streets. The thing was, I believed all of it. And I believe none of it. I was like, I don't know. With Russia, like, I don't know what's true. Yeah, and the thing that. is, the yeah, the two years or the two weeks or five years was true, but the Lions wasn't. And I was like, you know what? I would have believed it, though. I could easily see them yeah. just releasing Lions. I, I think I believed it less because I was just like the feasibility of getting Lions over there <laughs> over. But more that than just not believing Russia could do something like that. I just like, assumed like Putin had like lions chilling, lions on, like, like ready to go, <laughs> just ready. Like he had like Uber for lions, and he was like, "All right, let me get five of them real quick." I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. But you said you okay. So you said your parents were in India. Are they back in Seattle? Yeah, they got back on Sunday, and okay. Um, so I don't, I didn't really want to expose them. So I've barely actually seen them since they've been back. They've been in their room. I've been in my room. It's been crazy. <laughs> I've seen my mom once when I picked up. That's good. You got to keep them safe. Yeah, for at least like two weeks. Um, Just thought it'd be a good idea. Yeah, because I was going to say India just put down a lockdown on the whole country for two weeks. So, I mean, good thing they got out before then. Their flight was actually the last international flight out of India. Like the last one. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I know, like, they're trying. Like, I know India's actually been doing pretty good. But, I mean, there's so much you can do trying to shut down a country of, like, 1.3 billion, right? Yeah. They're going to tell everyone to do that. But, I mean, I think outside of, like, the urban areas, it's hard to, like, enforce that. The people in the rural areas, like, they don't have indoor plumbing. They're going to have to go outside for basic stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's almost next to impossible. But I think the spread hasn't really started that much in India. Mm-hmm. So, they seem a little better off that they're even doing this pretty early on. 
compared to us, like the U.S. just took forever. <laughs> like Trump took forever <laughs> to deal with this. Um, but it's yeah, it's crazy. It's not completely enforceable. It's been weird because um, a lot of Bollywood stars have had to like get on social media and like tell their fans to stay indoors because people are not listening. It's been actually hella funny to see <laughs> like Shah Khan and like Akshay Kumar like putting out Instagram videos like. I saw this uh, video of like Priyanka Chopra. She was like out on her balcony or something, like clapping, and like the caption was like, you know, applauding like the great work the people in like health have done. And just every comment was roasting her. They're like, why aren't you donating to help? Like, what is this clapping doing? Like, this helps no one. Priyanka Chopra is just getting roasted ever like when she like tweeted in favor of Modi. I think it was. Like, yeah, ever since that, it's been over. Then, it's been over. But that was actually a thing like all Bollywood celebs were doing the whole clapping thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I know that people were, I, I think it was because they saw that video in Italy where they were all like singing on their balconies. Yeah, I got a forwarded WhatsApp message. I was like, everyone go on your driveway at 8 p.m., you know, to support the American health, like the doctors and stuff. And I was like, well, what's that going to do? No, yeah. no one sees me. No, no. They, I guarantee you that's not what they're looking for right now. It was they're actually looking... interesting. Um, they're, um, I have a friend who's like last year med school so he's had to go to clinic and all this and he just put up a facebook status the other day and he was like i appreciate everyone checking in and all that but he's like i haven't had a single conversation in the past week and a half that's not coronavirus related Mm -hmm. like we're losing our minds like so sometimes like just talk to us about something else (laughs) because like that's that's the life we're living yeah, I think that's like it's just on the national psyche right now. Like, yeah. no conversation doesn't have Corona in it. Like, you see, when right when you like see someone else, you're like, "Hey, how are you doing? How's Corona been?" Like, it's just everyone like that's just what thing. it is. Yeah, it's literally the first thing. Every- you know what that reminds me of? Like, I remember one time we had a like a scholar visit our campus when I was going to IIT, and you know he had his talk, he did Q and A, Q&A, he had like dinner with the the MSA and stuff, and they were all asking like question after question. And my friend was like driving him back to his hotel. So like we jumped in, I jumped in the car with the two of them. And I was like, hey, did you guys see that? Like, you know, this team beat this team. I forgot what game it was, but it was like a pretty, you know, hyped up game. Mm-hmm. And the like the scholars just so excited to talk about something else. Like, it's like at the end of the day, they're like normal people as well. And they just want to talk about stuff. No, so he was just like super hyped to not like get another question, right? It's, it's really interesting. You lose sight of that when you don't realize these are like normal people. And you kind of mm-hmm. hype them up. But it's been interesting. What do you think of the uh, kind of the Muslim response to coronavirus? I know it's like been pretty polarizing. I think now everyone's on the same page. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. It's pretty polarizing, I feel like. (laughs) Very polarizing. I think like, you know, I've said this on the multiple episodes up until now, like it's been pretty wild, even for like the Illinois area. Like you have people just saying outlandish things, like taking like, you know, moral high roads, trying to be like, oh yeah, come pray at our mosque if you still believe in the power of prayer. It's like, bro, chill out. Yeah. Like we're just trying to like, you know, handle the community right now. Like we're just trying to protect people. Um, But I think definitely like, Overall, I think the Muslim American community did decent. I think some, you know, mosques were doing, like, they kept open too late. Mm-hmm. But I think internationally, we did really bad. Like, you know, Pakistan only recently, like, shut down its uh, mosques and stuff. And it's just, like, they're having a lot of problems. I think the first case in Palestine was because yeah. someone went to, like, Pakistan and caught it and then brought it back. Yeah, I mean, I think last Juma they had straight-up full Juma services throughout the country, which is... Yeah, so... I think it's definitely been really bad just because like there's this, there's been this whole thing about how you, you know, if you believe it's, you know, going to be strong and stuff and like you need to just come to the mosque and believe. And it's like, bro, I believe, but I also have, you know, 
the foresight to also protect everyone and not, you know, come to the mosque and spread anything. I mean, it's the whole tying the camel hadith, right? Like you have faith, but you had to do your part. Like you can't just have blind faith and just be like, all right, I'm just going to be reckless and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it. It's not how how's it, it, how's it been for you guys in the the Seattle Muslim community? Is it pretty much like the same kind of response that the, everywhere else has been? It's the same thing. It's just like the majority of masajid will shut down and a couple will stay open depending on the ideology. <laughs> and um, they eventually they you know caught up. I think there were mm-hmm. a couple weeks. I think they did like they might have done two juma. What was interesting is like they did one normal juma, and then they were like, and then we got this notice of no gatherings outside of two hundred and fifty, uh, above two hundred and fifty people, like a couple weeks ago. And then so okay, yeah. now we're gonna split up. We're gonna have three different jamats, so to mitigate the amount of people to keep it under two fifty. So it's just like yeah, like this one mosque did five in a row. I was like, yeah. oh my god, bro. I was just like, you're doing the most right now. Like really, <laughs> like if you have to have like five different jamats, like that should be like telling you like okay maybe there's something more serious going on here <laughs> you know it's something i did um i actually like for the local uh masjid that you know my wife and i go to i messaged the imam up there and the youth director as well and i messaged them and i was like hey i know it was like you know probably a very hard decision and i know there's a lot of people mad but i'm just really happy that you guys made the decision to close down the masjid and like you know we support y'all because i feel like sometimes all they'll get is like you know backlash and only the people yeah. who are like mad so i was like you know what guys don't worry i'm behind y'all <laughs> No, that's true. And actually, it's I've actually been seeing that response, which is really nice to see. Uh, the main masjid that my family and I go to, they ha- have like a Facebook page which they use to send out most of their updates. And um, so they're considered, I guess, a little more on the modern side in relative to like the other masjid here. Um, they are the diff- the biggest masjid, but they're also, I guess, a little more on the left i guess you'd say whatever that means Mm -hmm. and so they were the first to cancel juma and i remember that facebook post is just like filled with like oh i can't believe you're doing this the prophet would have never done this yeah all this stuff and then in recent weeks as they keep putting out their updates like i've been seeing those kind of messages like oh thanks for taking this decision this must be tough like you know man let's want to get us through this and all that and so it's been good to see like the change in people's rhetoric. Yeah, I think as they saw like how bad it is. Yeah, it is tough on most boards to make decisions like that. Like it's a big decision to make. Yeah, and I definitely would not want to ever serve on a mushroom board. Oh yeah, I served on an MSA board, and I'm like, this is already crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine a mushroom board. It's too funny. I, I've seen like the inner workings of them, and I'm just like, I'm I'm fine. I'll just yeah. help out on the outside. Yeah, no, my dad is on the board, and so I'm just like, all right, yeah. And he actually was trying to get me on because they were pushing for um, younger people to get on the board, like have a little more representation. A couple people, yeah, like, in our age group. And I was like, yeah, you can look for somebody else. I'm not getting involved in these politics right now. And what's funny is that like a lot of mushrooms are seeing this as like a problem. They see that the young people see all they see is like dysfunction in boards and they don't want to join. And they're getting worried now. They're like, oh, man, what's going to happen? Like, yeah. who's going to try to like, you know, be there for the next generation and stuff? Because all they see is people fighting. Yeah, it's just a lot of beef, a lot of drama. Um but yeah, so what else has has the coronavirus impacted you? What what other ways has it you know impacted your life so far? Um, I think the biggest thing is really just staying at home. Um, I would consider myself pretty extroverted, 
So just not being with friends, uh, just a simple thing is going over to your friend's house, which mm-hmm. is something we take for granted um, is just not being there. And even now, especially since my parents got back and we've kind of had this self-imposed quarantine, I'm barely leaving my room even. Um, what are the what are the top ways you've been like dealing with it so far? Um, a lot of it is just trying to use my time for things I've been putting off. Uh, I've been reading uh whatever i've always wanted to get into reading a little bit more so mm-hmm. picked up a new book i'm reading that sapiens book uh brief history of humankind oh interesting uh, i haven't heard of it started that uh, been watching a lot of movies i'm really into film and movies and just have a long list that i never get to so been knocking those out and again like i said just just set up this home studio now so hopefully do some shoots take pictures of random things, take some self portraits. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and just kind of just taking time to reflect, um, reading, uh, like reading Quran more. Honestly, I've had more time to build a relationship with the Quran, um, which yeah, as, as cheesy as it is the whole, like, you know, instead of quarantine, think of it as Quran time instead. Yeah, <laughs> like as she said, it's, it's true. Like it's been it's good. True. It's been, it's, I really, have had a lot more time to dedicate to that and i guess in a weird way um it's helping me prepare for ramadan coming up even though like ramadan most likely won't look like it usually does yeah it's gonna be a tough one yeah i'm just i just i really love tarawih like that is my favorite part of ramadan Mm -hmm. going to tarawih and the possibility of not having that it just sucks it's just really like putting a like a yeah I used to be so yeah. excited for that. But. I think that's something that our community still hasn't accepted, but they're going to have to that. We might not end up having any Tarawi like all Ramadan. Um, and I know people were like, oh, we can do like basement Tarawis and stuff. But like even those will be much more diminished, you know, with the different orders that are out. Um, mm-hmm. Just for, you know, a lot of people's safety sake, a lot of people aren't going to want to go over just because they're like, I don't know where you've been exposed and stuff. Yeah. And honestly, it isn't smart to do that. I think I saw, um, I don't know if you follow Yasser Fadi on Facebook or Twitter, I guess. I think he posted on Twitter too. Someone <laughs> asked him uh, if we can do like neighborhood Jumas. Mm-hmm. Get like a couple neighbors together and have a chutzpah and everything. And he was like, no, because it really defeats the purpose of why we're stopping it in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> Social distancing. And I feel like if he's saying that about Juma, which is, you know, a fard as compared to Tarawi, which is a similar, like I feel like that applies to Tarawi itself. Or these like neighborhood Tarawi, unless things get better and, smaller groupings is allowed but i don't know yeah it'll be interesting depending on you know how far the orders reach because i mean what is it we're almost a month or only like a month away or like even a couple weeks and already more orders are like extending the stay at home extending work from home like all the like closures so we're definitely at least for the first half of ramadan i think gonna have to have no tarawi i think it's gonna be all ramadan and then i think so too and then Eid. I wonder how Eid's going to look. Like, how are you going to yeah. eat Salah? Yo, Eid fits from the living room. That's just what it's going to be. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, like, you know what's even scary to me is I had a, we had a guest a couple of days ago on episode um, three who was talking about how it may even be where some recommendations of not even fasting because of where a lot of people's immune systems are weaker when they're fasting. So, for a large group of people, it may be where the recommendation is you don't even fast. Yeah during Ramadan just because it might be that you're more likely to catch it 
or it's like hey if you're fasting you don't leave the house at all for the month right like whenever you're fasting just because when you are fasting i mean i get sick usually every month like i get some type of cold i'll usually like take out a day or two and just like get better and then keep fasting but you know when it's like there's a coronavirus going around it may be that yeah. type of recommendation as well which would be really hard i think for a lot of people yeah especially for our elders um if they're fasting, they should really should not be leaving the house because a lot of it, yeah. I think, is um, just hydration, even more yep. than the immune system. Just not having, um, just not drinking enough water just makes you more prone to catch something like this. And I think if you're properly socially distancing and just quarantining yourself at the house, you should be fine even with fasting. But that's the problem, right? People aren't really following that to the T. Yeah, because like even my wife and I, like we're social distance, like we're like in our house, but like we go if we need groceries, right? We'll do like pickup versus like delivery sometimes just because we want to get out, like we'll take walks around the park and stuff like that. So it's like how much of that is going to have an impact, right? Like if we're fasting, do we cut all that out or not? It's like, we'll see. I think it'll be a little bit easier for people in our age group because we're a lot less uh, at risk. Mm -hmm. Is it just you and your wife that live at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, if you're not, like, seeing any elders, parents, grandparents, then it's a lot easier to step out. Um, That's true. Yeah, like, we've been avoiding her grandma just because we don't want to be the reason that she catches anything. Yeah, so, it's like, yeah. even if we visit her parents, it's like we stay, like, inside the parts of the house where her grandma never goes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, things like, if you're, yeah, if you're taking those kind of precautions, I think people our age can step out for little essential things like go to the groceries, take a walk. Because I feel like you need to or else you start losing your mind inside. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think my wife, especially on the first episode, you know, we talked about this, how she realized that she needs to be out a little bit. And like, I'm a I'm a pretty extroverted person. Like, I like hanging out with friends. I like going and doing stuff. But at the same time, like, I can spend a whole weekend inside just like watching anime or something and like yeah. it won't even affect me. <laughs> you starting new animes for during the time? Um, I'm catching up on this uh, one on Netflix called Violet Evergarden, which has been really good. And then, you know, just catching up on other ones that have been out for a while that yeah. I've just been getting so behind on. I feel that, yeah. I've been like getting into it. Um, haven't watched a lot of these classics. So I'm like going back watching. I, th- I just started Hunter x Hunter. Oh, man, that, that'll be a fun trip for you. Yeah, so going through that right now. All right, well, definitely, man. Um, it was really good having you on. It was really good talking. Uh, let the audience know what you got going on, where they can follow you and everything. Um, well, you can follow me at Kazi. It's I-N-Z-A-I-N-K-H-A-Z-I. That's like mostly my photography stuff. But if you're trying to see some food, follow me at Eats. Um, because now that we have this quarantine going on, I might start <laughs> cooking some more, posting some of my recipes on there. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Same thing as Twitter, same handle. Um, and thank you for having me on. This was uh, it's it's nice talking to somebody about all this, <laughs> when all this is going down. Um, no, definitely, man. Just all care for coming on. I think that's one of the big things about this season, right? Just kind of getting some stories from everyone out there, giving everyone kind of a chance to just talk about how it's impacting their lives. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Inshallah, we'll have another one out in a few days. You can always find me at ZBHOY and at IMMT Cast. Uh, inshallah, see you soon. Salam. All right, thank you, Salam.